Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Graham McMillan and I herald June with a two-hour episode diving deep into the recent news of DC terminating its distribution agreement with Diamond. We spend nearly 90 minutes telling you the news, speculating on the unspoken, and wondering what the future holds for Diamond, DC, and the direct marketplace. And we may even find time to talk about a comic book or two before the whole thing ends. And by the whole thing, I mean the podcast, not the direct market. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan, hello. Hello, I'm just going to tell you, Skype, and I don't know if this is true of you as well, Skype has started offering up uh, advertisements. Oh, no. Now, do you have that? No, not 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 that I've really paid attention I've to. I've pop-up ads in Skype. Oh, no. No, and no, it's no. the weirdest thing, because, like, you're calling, and at the same time, like, the, the, the screen is like, mortgage? Oh, <laughs> that's... Like, not fucking not mortgage, I want to answer this call. I'm sorry, that is me. I am selling mortgages to people oh, okay. on Skype. Yeah, I've just been, I've just been, I'm sort of starting with you, but I'll, I'm going to work my way through my contact list. If you just click through, I get a really nice commission if you just watch the six-part YouTube series. Oh, is it six parts? Yeah. Okay, here's the question. Are they at least an hour long? Oh, oh yeah. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. No, 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 no. This is, it's, it's like watching uh, the Peter Jackson's Lord of the Ring trilogy and the two Hobbit movies, like ba- extended cuts for all, back to back. So don't worry. Plenty of content for you. Everything you want to know. Um, that's where I see the that's that's where that's where I'm expecting to get the money. Of course, if you actually fill out information about your home and its value and and refinancing opportunities, then then I really start seeing some some big cash. You I've know. heard that HBO Max is offering you a lot of money for the Snyder Cut of your... your... <laughs> it's true. That's, you know, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing. Um, this whole real estate mortgage financing pop-up ad through the Skype calls, this this is something that Zack Snyder um, got me in on the ground floor of when we talked earlier about <laughs> negotiating rights. Uh, I, I, what it was was last last time we did the episode and you ended with the Snyder Cut song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach just probably called you up, right? Oh, he's like Jeff. Can I have that for the for the show? Yeah, when when right. we when we premiere on an HBO Max. Yep. Can I just do? The, can you just sing Snyder Cut? He's like, I'll get uh, Hans Zimmer in mm-hmm. to do a discordant orchestra behind you. It'll be really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I liked his ideas. I have to say, it was kind of weird that is that he like his his Skype handle is Baffleck Fan Six Eighty One, but <laughs> but he assured it's me because Baffleck Fan Ones through Six Eighty were all taken up. What? And, and here's the thing: he told me not not just taken up, but like taken up by other Warner executives. Like pretty much where you are in the Warner Brothers chain of command pretty much is which Skype handle Baffleck fan number you are. So, you know, I was shocked. I didn't realize there were 680 people with uh, more important 
to Warner Brothers and Zack Snyder. But, you know, but if you think about it, it makes sense, Graham. He's not going to be. I've got a question. Yeah. When Zack Snyder Skypes you, uh-huh. uh, if you do video call, is all of his color really muted? And there's like a thunderstorm behind him? Uh, it's, you know, the, the weird thing is, is that, you know, me, I don't, I don't like doing, uh, video calls, I guess, cause I'm just self-conscious, but there is, there's a lot of like, kind of sl- like there's a soundtrack playing the entire time. Um, he's, he's, he's got an English accent, which I hadn't realized, but he assured me is like kind of. That's just him when he's relaxing, and apparently he sort of poses as, you know, he's like, yeah, that whole, like, dude who goes to the Ren Fair and takes steroids, you know, and has a surfer accent, that's apparently all an act. That's all an act. He's actually a very quiet, mild-mannered dude from the UK uh, who just apparently pumps a lot of muscle. Uh, Do do you know why he, he actually started affecting that? Why? He saw McG make movies. Oh, and he was like, "I've got, I've got to be McG." Yeah, right. I, it's true. It's true. It's that's why I'm sure he originally was going to like some of his early student films. He's like McZack. Uh, <laughs> that makes so much sense now, and the lineage uh, is clear. I mean, let's face I, it. I, I had a, I had a, a Zoom call with Joss Whedon this week. Did you? <laughs> and it was because it CGI'd out my beard. Oh no, that was great. So your your beard was just like the virtual background behind you or something? No, no, it, it just it got rid of it and had like weirdly unconvincing CGI chin added in. Oh wait, this is this is what happened to you or this is what happened to Joss Whedon? It was me. That was all so surprising. Huh. That's a that is surprising. Did Joss you... Whedon just came over, but he had uh it it, it was Sarah Michelle Geller's face was just superimposed on his oh oh yeah okay that makes sense that makes sense yeah i mean honestly if i was joss whedon at this point in my career uh i would be very much the same yeah (laughs) absolutely i mean let's face it half the time i do the same and i don't even have a career uh to speak of uh, in that regard so yeah just skypey people with sarah michelle geller's name well that's interesting graham thank you wow so listen welcome everyone to wait what the we we pull back the the curtain and show celebrities as they really are which is to say um uh, Baffleck fans of various numbers between one and six hundred and eighty-one. So I just like the idea that all of Warner Brothers Skype names are Baffleck fan. Like, and and you know whoever is who is whoever is in charge of Warner Brothers these days. I genuinely don't know. Well, see, that's uh, it, right? It's like you know Baffleck film one. Yeah, and it just goes down from there. Yeah. So like you know the new intern is getting something and it's like you're Baffleck fan one million two hundred and seventy. <laughs> And they're like, okay, then. <laughs> it's pretty great. I'm sure your, it is. Here's your employee, like, your employee identification number. Yep. It's Batflick 5272. <laughs> you know, I, we really shouldn't give them any ideas because I can totally see Warner Brothers being like, huh, yeah, 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 I could see that. Yeah, we just assigned them. That would be terrific. Wouldn't that be, and by terrific, I mean horrifying. Like, them being like, okay. You're like, I know what I mean. You have to go out on social media and post at least three hours a week with this handle. And it's like, okay. Yeah, and we're watching. We've We've got bots scraping the web. 
which let's face it, it sounds like the Matrix, um, which I believe the Wachowskis, Baffleck fan number, you know, two hundred and three, and Baffleck fan uh, number two hundred and ninety three. Um, wow, there's ninety. Out. There's ninety differences between the the Wachowskis. Yes, yeah. isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Wow. I think it's because there's only one of them doing the Matrix movie. If they were both doing that Matrix film, I think they would both. They would have like closer numbers. But... The, let's be honest, completely unnecessary like remake slash reboot slash sequel of the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if you want to put it that way, yeah. But let's put it that way: unnecessary to whom? Graham, like unnecessary to Warner Brothers. Ooh la la! Au contraire. Uh, I suppose the unnecessary to Warner Brothers means nothing in a world where the Snyder Cut is actually going to be a thing. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, perhaps, Graham, you know from behind the things, but I just I love the number of like DC people like David Ayers who are like, yeah, I'd be interested in showing the Ayers cut of Suicide Squad. You know, and it's just kind of like, eh, you know? <laughs> I, oh, see, we make that joke, but you know as well as I do, if the, if the Snyder Cut is a thing. Oh, yeah. Like, it just pays off. Yeah. Then that's, you know, we're probably not a million miles away from it. I don't know, man. Honestly, are we? I mean, let's put it this way. I think that if the Snyder Cut thing was a hit, I think that they would do something weird, like give Snyder money to go back and take his 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 already excruciatingly long Watchmen's director's cut and like refold that out into like a miniseries and more or less and and you know so that it could be position to help with the the watchman brand since the since the i almost said the damon alburn uh the damon yeah, Lidloff damon alburn, uh thing is is a is a big deal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah the fact that the fact that they got another season another series of uh watchmen coming to hbo and the the, the idea was only let guys named damon pitch was kind of kind of unique Kind of unique. You would watch Damon Auburn's Watchmen, wouldn't you? No, I would not. But I would, I would watch Damon Auburn's Watchmen. Yes, of course. Of course you would. For so many reasons, not least of which I actually liked the Watchmen TV show. I know. I know. But that's that's what I'm saying. Man, I cannot tell you the amount of grief Edie will give me every once in a while. Because she watched it. And she'll but be she... like, yeah, and she loved it. And she was like, Jeff, she, okay. I, she's like, I know that. You can't watch this, but but you love it. Yeah, you have to watch it. You'd have to watch it. She's like, it actually annoys the shit out of me that you will never watch it because that means I don't have anyone else to talk to. I'm like, look, just get in touch with Baffleck fan number one thousand seven hundred and twelve. My understanding is they're very into it. That was, it, 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 it's, I've got it, like I'm going to side with Edie on this. In like, if someone strapped you down to a chair and made you watch it, you would complain for like 20 minutes, and then you'd probably be completely sucked in and hate yourself for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm totally sure, Graham. It's not. It's not. It's not an idea that I'm like. Oh, it's it's bad quality. I had people reach out to me and be like, you know, I'm pretty sure. That Alan Moore, I'd like to imagine him watching that show and and basically having the same reaction because it's done really well. And I'm like, yeah, guess what? He's not going to have that reaction. Yeah. I no, can Alan pretty much guarantee yeah, that, you. That's not going to happen. It's, like, again, 
kind of a shame, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also like he, he like life's too short for Alan Moore to have to watch that show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like very. Very, very much. And I was like, life's too short for you to have to watch that well, show. Well, no, like, no, no. I mean, there's... You put HBO, HBO Max, Jeff, you can watch everything. That is uh, true. I can't watch it on my TV yet, but I can pretty much watch everything, So, which is great. Do you guys... Can you guys watch it on your TV? How do yep. you... What, oh, because your subscribers through, like, a cable thing that allows it or something? Nope. Because we have a, a, a smart television. And it's an app on the smart television. The app even showed up before we signed up. Wow. Okay, but so it's not a Roku smart television then, I guess. No. Yeah. No. So this is the problem. We do all of our streaming through Roku, and I've been waiting patiently with that. Oh, though they're going to get that worked out any minute now. Yeah, that's going to be – so at some point I'm going to be able to sit there and have myself a Studio Ghibli fest, but – for right now, it's like I watched a couple of cartoons, Looney Tunes cartoons on my phone. And I'm like, oh, it's pretty good. I sure don't like watching things on my phone, though. Holy cow. I got to tell you. Um, Graham, you're probably not a watch a movie on the phone type of person, are you? Have I you... know. That sounds absolutely horrendous to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, you watched, have you watched a film? Have you watched a movie on your iPad? Uh, I haven't watched a movie on my iPad. I've watched TV shows on my iPad. Hmm. I think somehow that's that pretty that much how I made it through the entire Mandalorian. Oh, really? Was by uh, just sort of snuggling up on the couch with your iPad and watching uh, The Mandalorian, huh? I would, because there was always the, am I going to have to write about this for work? Right. I would watch The Mandalorian, like, first thing on a Friday morning. Like, I'd wake up and watch The Mandalorian. Wow. Wow. Huh. Huh, huh, huh. Well, um, hmm. I gotta tell you, part of me is like, you know, Graham, I wanted to ask you, isn't The Watchmen TV show, like, already hideously dated i'm really curious what it would be like watching it now because i mean like for among other things the it's about white supremacy but the cops are kind of the good guys at least at the beginning of it right which is kind of i'm going to say it's more complicated than that okay okay great okay thank you like i i part of me is like i don't want to spoil it for you but you're never gonna watch it i'm never gonna watch it it's like six months old yeah yeah so i feel oh six months old by all means no but can i go into spoilers well i don't because of that there's other people who listen to the show who haven't seen it who i don't think i don't think it'd be fair okay okay i'll just say this for those who think that it is a cops are good white supremacists are bad um show uh there is a very obvious uh but what if that is unstated in that premise that is not unstated in the show ah good okay great thank you that's good to know um i appreciate the i appreciate the way that you put that uh and also um it's i sort of feel like homer simpson i'm distracted by all my fond memories of what if comics i've read throughout the years you know, <laughs> and that would be the if this were the Simpsons, we'd put like some sort of ridiculous. Exactly, I said that, and you would have just had the bubble appear, and you have been like, "What if Nick Fury was in outer space?" Right, exactly. I'd just be like, "Ah!" And there's like some sort of like jaunty music playing while there's a montage of everyone like dead and dying. Okay, yeah, in so, Captain okay, so America. Here's, here's yeah. the thing. Yes, this week, understandably, many people have been saying like, "Marvel Comics, fucking say something about the Punisher." Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and they won't. Mm-hmm. Like I asked, they won't. Wow. They will say we published a comic last year about this, which is fucking not true. 
They published a comic last year where the Punisher comes across a cop who's got using his skull, and he goes, I'm not a hero. Captain America's a hero. And that's fucking not about that at all. No. Fuck you, Mark. <laughs> so hard. That, that right really does miss the point, doesn't it? But, but, um, but here's where I actually want to go with this. Jerry Conway, in response, has been like, I want to publish a comic. I want to do it like a, a fan comic uh, to, to take the Punisher's skull back as, as a symbol of justice. And he said that, and I was like, fucking when was the Punisher's skull a symbol of justice? Yeah, right. Fucking right. when? And like the idea that someone's like, I'm going to redeem the, the iconography of the Punisher. He was fucking created by you, Jerry Conway, as a bad guy. Yes and no. I mean, yes and no. He was. I mean, because as someone as you know, Graham, was as, he an antagonist for Spider-Man? He no. See, this is it. In true Marvel team-up fashion, he the Punisher was misled by the Jackal, which is yeah, and okay. no, no, no. I, seriously, I it'd be no, one no, no, thing I, if I it's not a, yeah with the hit, shooting the head off. Yes, which is great. Ah, oh, God, fucking Ross Andrew, I love you so much. You are my Spider-Man artist. Um. Yeah, uh, but no, it, so I, unfortunately, Graham, you know, Jerry Conway designed him as kind of, uh, you know, Death Wish style, you know, anti-hero during the age of anti-heroes. But he but it'd be one thing if it was like a character like, I don't know, like Venom or something like that that started off as a villain, you know, and then got a redemption arc and it was baked into the character as well. Now, I mean, admittedly I, 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 he was a I, kill yeah. crazy knucklehead. So he... I think, I think you're, you're what uh, I think you're, I think there's some parsing there that I, I, okay. I would not parse. Okay. Come on. No, seriously. I'm perfectly okay with this. What, how, but don't you think, I mean, you're just what you're saying. I mean, don't get me wrong. A Jerry Conway is full of nine kinds of crap. And honestly, <laughs> I, I, I say this as someone who really has liked a lot of his comics, but I remember back when he was, uh, he had this thing where he, he was, uh, asking people, uh, you know, to volunteer to, what was it? It was like literally to, to scour the media for every indication Car or appearance or he created right yeah right and yeah. he's like because i can't do it on my own and they're like you created him why not he's like ah kids today so honestly when no, he was, that, was like was that Roy thomas no it was jerry conway man okay i always thought that Roy thomas but okay yeah no 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 it was conway because you know thomas keeps the receipts like, you've read Alter Ego. That guy is amazing. <laughs> He's like, a lot of people want to take credits for Conan's fur boots. And with all due respect to John Basima, which I love, John originally had him in moccasins. And I'm like, no, they've got to be boots. And in fact, here's some sketches from the back of, like, Roy Thomas's commitment to the minutiae of his career is... Um, both laudable it's it's true and also very roy thomas like but jerry conway is like ah who cares i was why don't you guys give me money so i mean as much hey, as he wrote for father dowling investigates i'll have you know no, i know he's got money and yet he still wants more he still kind of turns around <laughs> and is like hey Wait, okay so this is the other thing for me to and then we'll get back to the, the me disagreeing with you part um <laughs> 
<laughs> so he wants artists to draw, like reclaim the Punisher symbol, blah blah blah. Right. Uh, and he, he's it's he's asking for artists of color, and he's not offering to pay them. Of course, <laughs> of course he's not. No. Um, getting back to why I disagree with you, yes. I think even with the uh, he's not a villain; he was an antihero thing, which I like. I really do sort of wrestle with mm-hmm. because I. I to be fair, I've not read especially the early Punisher comics mm-hmm. in decades. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't read them since they reprinted in Marvel Tales, and that's got to be the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but I still think that the morality of Marvel comics at that point, like, an anti-hero to the point of Punisher was presented as more of a villain. And, like, isn't there a story not long after that where, like, he's literally just shooting up fucking everyone? Like jaywalkers? Okay, what actually what you're thinking of is much, much further down the road, Bill Mantlo takes on the Punisher and A, makes him sort of explicitly crazy and has him start shooting jaywalkers for jaywalking. That's that's actually Mantlo. And uh, that also is happening around the time of Miller's Daredevil. Where where uh, Miller has Daredevil uh, and Punisher as opposite ends of the spectrum, and the Punisher is way more into killing and uh, and and into literally punishing criminals. If you look at the first four to five years of the Punisher comics, especially the color comics, because I mean he gets his own black and white comic written by yeah, really. Jerry yeah. Conway and Tony DeZuniga. And in that he is, he was created. The, the destroyer was incredibly popular. It was like this men's series. There was men's fiction, you know, the destroyer yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. kill banger and all that. And, and hang on kill banger. And, we don't talk much about the kill banger, but he's he was great. Did Let that just come you. out of nowhere in your brain? Yeah. Because if so, like that's it. Look, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Starks has killed them all, like in the works of the movie. I know. He's got to do something with kill banger. It is totally true. You're right. I could probably get a motion picture deal if I just got my act together and had the adventures of kill banger. Kill banger. Bang kill. Anyway, uh, so so yeah, you had the executioner, you had the destroyer, you had all these guys, and Conway talked very specifically about creating the Punisher in that mold as as a hero who turned around and blew shit up with the idea that when you know when he pops up in the black and white you know Marvel Adventures stuff, that's more or less the market that he was created for. Like the Man Wolf and like a bunch of other stuff, they were Spider Man was a good soft backdoor pilot kind of thing for stuff like him or Morbius or Man Wolf or any of the stuff that they wanted to build up popularity for before moving into like the harder, saucier stuff. But if you look at Punisher all the way through under the way that he's treated under Jerry Conway, the way he's treated by Len Wein, he's in the color comics, he is like a dude who's always like, yeehaw, kill crazy, you know, who is is kind of always pointed in the wrong direction. Like, he's like, I know, knew it was you. You tricked me, Spider-Man, twice. But if you keep reading all the stuff, he's like taking down drug lords. You know, he's he's it's just, it's men's fiction wankery. But 
that that was not again. It's anti-hero stuff. I swear to God. By the time okay, you get no, to okay. I'll, I'll, Peter I, Parker's I, Spectacular Spider-Man in the eighties. Okay. Yeah, dude. I'm just I, saying. I, I, no, I'm I'm giving it to you in part because honestly, I don't care that much. No, see, I knew it. I knew you would snatch victory. No, no, no. Like, like I'm I'm conceding this argument. <laughs> okay. One hundred percent. You you. Would... <laughs> That is the it's best. Like, I, you still will not convince me that, like, he stands for a, like the Skull's symbol of justice. No, no, but... no, exactly. That sort of stuff is bull. It, I, don't get me wrong. There is there is subjective reality and objective reality. Did Jerry Conway create him as a hero? Yes. Is the Skull a sign of justice? Like, and No. Uh, you know? Okay. You know okay. what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is... Uh, okay. All right. Jeez. No, no, really, because I'm still like, is a hero an anti-hero? Because no, because they're different things. But well, yes. we're moving on. No, no, again, no, no, no. But I'm just saying much. that by the same thing, token, an anti-hero is not a villain, which is where I jumped in there, Graham. So I'm just saying you said that he was the Punisher originally appeared as a villain. And I'm like, that is not the case. So okay. That's all. So I think we're even on the same page. Just the we're just, you know, words. Or words are, are 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 destroying us. Um, no, but it, it's it, it's that's exactly it's, what Killbanger said at the end of Bangkok Blowaway. Um, again, you could get a fucking film deal out of this if you play your cards right. Anyway, Graham, I, I'm very glad that we took the time to talk about one of the. Uh, well, actually, I don't know about Jerry Conway, Punisher, and all. All considering we talked about the Snyder Cut song, um, in in the week where there was, to put it mildly, some last minute big news, which which you broke, is my understanding, right? So I I did. Well, did, did I? Like, yes, I broke. But honestly, I broke because I saw someone talking about it on Twitter. Wow. So I, I broke in the sense of I think THR was the first place to have the story up. Mm-hmm. And I think we're the first place to get confirmation from DC. Mm-hmm. But um, like I saw someone post it on Twitter, so breaking still counts. Still counts. Right? Yeah, uh, still got us very good traffic, which was genuinely surprising. Mm-hmm. Like people really cared about it. We are talking for people who literally have no idea what we're talking about. Is uh, DC ditching Diamond? Yeah, they have severed their distribution deal with Diamond. Which, uh, and uh, and it's the end of the world, Jeff. Which, you know, hyperbole may not be the best taste in this particular week, but you know, yes, some people went there. <laughs> some, some people did. <laughs> yeah, I gotta admit. It, it, what, yeah. What? What were you gonna say? I, I, I said I gotta admit that I'm like on the list of things that strike me as is apocalyptic. Uh, DC and Diamond is not necessarily. Yeah, it, seriously, I saw people being like, "This is like this is the worst news I've read all year," and I was like, "How have you read a newspaper this week? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me with this? <laughs> Jesus Christ!" People are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that such bad things could happen." This twenty twenty, you're a fucker, and I'm like, "Fucking look out the window!" Right, right. You're fucking myopic turns. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> America is literally on fire. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're not 
get political in this podcast, people, because uh, not because we have anything against getting political, as anyone who's listened to this podcast going, but because Jeff and I would really get like very dark and not be able to spill out. Oh, it's true, and it's yeah. If you thought the Punisher conversation was fun, so so, but nonetheless, it is a uh, from what I've seen online, it's a big story for the world of comics. It is at the very least momentous. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. Literally, what I said, DC has got times to diamonds. It's kind of all we know as a fact right now. Right. It's it's uh it's fair to say that you know there's not an incredible amount of nuance to this story that mm-hmm. we know of. Mm-hmm. Um, DC has sent a retailer notice on Friday mm-hmm. that was like I got sent, which is basically everything of a final order cutoff of June first, which is to say last week. Wow. Um, is the last diamond shipment. So the last diamond DC shipment is going to be June 23rd. Mm. No, June 22nd, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is is a big fucking deal, right? That's three weeks away. Yeah. Um, and anything beyond that, any store that wants to carry DC products beyond that has to deal with Lunar or UCS or Penguin Random House for collected editions. Right. There are a lot of issues there um, especially for any retailer outside the US. Yes. Right? Um, because DC to retailers, you're dealing with Lunar or UCS uh, anywhere. Wow. And I can't imagine what that's going to be like for UK retailers. Yeah, right. Because, yeah. like, Diamond has a UK hub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So retailers there aren't dealing with international shipping. Right. Lunar, UCS don't have UK hubs. So that's going to be like astonishingly expensive, right? Um, I do wonder, and I have zero insider knowledge. This is literally just me speculating blindly. I do wonder if just as Lunar and UCS got set up, um, basically yeah. as alternatives to diamonds, whether mm-hmm. there's going to be a UK distributor set up as an alternative to diamonds. Yeah, I that's sort of kind wonder of my, where my gut thinks is going to go within the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um. But retailers are already saying that the Lunar and UCS discounts aren't as good as the Diamond discounts. Right. They're also saying that the shipping costs are higher. Yes. Uh, I suspect, again, these are movable feasts that are going to change in the short run. But we'll see. Uh, one of the things that was really interesting is when DC originally set up Lunar and, and or agreed that Lunar and UCS were going to be their... their distributors when diamond was closed there were specific states that ordered from one or the other right right and that's not the case anymore really yeah anyone can order from anyone now Hmm. which is really interesting yeah yeah you know like that's a really weird change and it feels like a notable change and it feels like a change that might be be set up to try and get costs down to force the two to compete against each other. Huh. Do you think? You know? Interesting. That's a that's a really weird but notable change. Right. Um, nonetheless, so send this, they sent this message out on Friday morning mm-hmm. and sent a press statement out really soon after. And the press statement did not give any more information away. The press statement is in its entirety. 
After 25 years, DC and Diamond Comic Distributors are ending their long-standing relationship. Moving forward, comic book retailers can obtain their DC books from Penguin Random House or their books and periodicals through Lunar or UCS comic, distri- uh, comic book distributors. DC continues to be committed to providing the direct market with best-in-class service and the fans with the world's greatest comic books. That's the entirety of the press statement. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the note to retailers was considerably longer, as you might expect. Yes. Uh, have you seen it? No, no. Uh, so, dear DC Direct Market Retailer, first and foremost, we hope this finds you safe and well, especially during what has been an incredibly challenging year. We are writing today to share with you that DC's long-standing relationship with Diamond Comics Distributors is coming to a close, effective following Diamond's distribution of products offered on DC's FOC list of June 1st. We want to thank Steve Geppi and the great people at Diamond for all the years of service. We recognize that to many of you, this may seem like a momentous decision. However, we can assure you that this change in DC's distribution plans has not been made lightly and follows a long period of thought and consideration. The change of direction is in line with DC's overall strategic vision intended to improve the health of and strengthen the direct market, as well as grow the number of fans who read comics worldwide. Hmm. And then it goes into basically the shipping things like June 1st, final cutoff dates, what's happening for anything through June 8th through June 15th, uh, where they're doing books. And then it ends with, we bring, we believe this new distribution system will bring you world-class service using top-of-the-line and modern systems that will provide you with the most efficient operational supply chain. DC will continue to look for ways, together with their new partners, to better serve you and the fans to the best of our ability. We remain committed to the direct market and look forward to partnering with you to grow your business and to get the best comic books and graphic novels to the fans in the most efficient and seamless manner. Hmm. That's the letter. Um... I can forward this to you, and if you want to run the whole thing. In the yeah, show. yeah, yeah. Might be a good idea, yeah. Um, but uh, there's still not an incredible amount of information. There, no, right? no. A lot more adjectives, but uh, not, not necessarily um, details. Gabby released a statement. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Um, I'm trying to actually pull it up because I didn't get sent it, even though Diamond assured me they were going to send it to me. I didn't get sent it. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh. Okay. Um, it's like, at Barry Weiss, hey, you seem like a hot enchilada. Any chance that you'd be available for dinner? Just checking. Today, DC sent out a retail <laughs> kitchen indicating their ending of their long-standing relationship with Diamond. In April, we were informed that DC was going to begin distributing products through additional partners. At that time, they asked us to submit a proposal for a revised agreement with the understanding that Diamond would continue to be one of their distributors, which we promptly did. They then requested an extension to June 30th, which we also accommodated. Last week, DC requested an additional extension through July. We responded with questions, and DC indicated they would reply today, June 5th. Mm. Instead of receiving a response, today we received a termination notice. Mm. While we'd anticipated this as a possible outcome, we, like so many others in the industry, are disappointed by their decision to enter partnership so abruptly at this time. Although we had hoped to reach an agreement with DC, every great change also presents great opportunity. Rest assured, Diamond is a strong company, and our success does not depend on the actions of one business partner. While recognised this change impacts the industry, we are well positioned to seize growth opportunities and are committed to the success of our publishing partners, the direct market, and our industry as a whole. We continue to be excited about the growth potential in the comic, game, and toy industries, as well as growth opportunities to our other Gappy family enterprise companies. I truly believe that our comeback will be bigger than our setback, and our best days are ahead wow holy right. shit 
Well, on, on the one hand, a few more details and right. a, and a lot more sunshine smoke ass factor going on. I mean, yeah. I, I, I although I would like to believe that this is you know that that he is saying things that he is are actually connected to reality diamond is the company that did stop distribution during covid then more or less was unable to stop paying people and had uh, and then had to make arrangements um for a payment plan to pay people and that's back when they still had 30 percent of the you know 30 percent of the industry was not walking away from them right yes Yes. So yeah. So you, uh, it's worth saying that thing that you just said. Mm-hmm. DC represents roughly thirty percent of uh, Diamond's market share. That's mm-hmm. a big loss for Diamond. Yeah. Uh, Diamond also not only put the, the entire industry on hold without telling anyone in advance mm-hmm. in March, but also then refused to pay partners because they had cash flow problems. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, let's not forget that. Also, did you see what Diane Nelson note? no longer with DC, but she was DC's president. Did you see what she said in a Facebook comment to Brian Hibbs? I did not. I Well, I should say I saw part of it via Heidi's re-reportage on the beach. Yes. So what she basically said is she suggested that Diamond wasn't solvent. Yeah. She said, I can say purely as a private individual that Diamond has for a long time been unwilling or unable to modernize and support and grow the biz as needed for a healthy direct channel and may not even be solvent. It would be imprudent for any publisher not to have a distribution contingency plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She then said, very recently, I'm disappointed by the communications rollout of this decision, as it seems from my admittedly removed and limited point of view, not nearly nearly robust enough and to uh, not have offered retailers sufficient notice and explanation as to what I'm sure is a reasonable and perfectly even advantageous decision for them. Right, right. Like, I, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Um. That's a that's a hell of a thing for Diane Nelson just to throw in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a hell of a thing to throw out there, mm-hmm. uh, especially considering we know for a fact that Diamond couldn't afford to pay people yeah. when it shut down for nine days. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I I would not be surprised if Diamond was not actually solvent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a there's a lot here. Like there's there's a lot here. Mm-hmm. Um, many people are saying that DC has essentially killed the direct market by doing this. Right now, uh, just out of curiosity, what did did Hibbs say anything beyond like I'm incredibly disappointed and this is this is uh, a I, huge... I haven't seen him say anything else. Oh, okay, all right. Basically, basically, the majority of like uh, to put it. Uh, bluntly loud retailers mm-hmm. like there's there's a certain number of retailers who always are, are heard from right and to a man they have basically been like this is terrible news mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. dc is trying to sink the direct market mm-hmm. um i don't think that's true mm-hmm. uh but i also think that dc might have some diamond with it well what I'm wondering about, and this is based on that piece that he- where Heidi aggregated a lot of different comments, was there was a point where Chuck Rosansky of Mile High Comics, didn't he talk at one point about being 
didn't he say, I don't remember the number. Was it like $4 million in debt? Up until recently, forty million dollars in debt, four hundred million dollars. Four million. He said he okay. was four million dollars in debt nine years ago, including a million dollars from Di- to Diamond. So he owed Diamond a million dollars, right? Like that's my understanding is he was in the hole to Diamond for a million bucks, and this is this is Mile High Comics, right? Like that, yeah, is... which is one of the biggest retailers, right? So one of the biggest retailers was was in the hole to diamond for a million bucks still kept operating i think as you know i think we had talked about that you you'd mentioned uh at some lengths in a previous episode that live stream call between steve jeppy and several prominent retailers including hibbs and joe fields and Essentially, you were kind of like, yeah, they're all kind of buddy-buddy. Now, I personally know that Hibbs is so fiscally conservative that like, the idea of carrying even a nickel's worth of debt would be totally onerous to him. But I wonder how much of... The how much of the market exists because they owe Diamond money? Yes, that the Diamond hasn't collected on. And part of Diamond's solvency problems have so much to do with the fact that they are carrying retailers that, you know, you and I had talked about in all the previous lean years, this idea of like, this marketplace could crash. The market could come crashing down. And it didn't, and, and it people didn't. were yeah. able to scrape by. How much of that is because people were, you know, essentially went into huge amounts of debt to Diamond. Diamond, in turn, quietly carried tremendous amounts of debt there. And and so now that, because if you think about it, what everything that DC is saying or doing, while n- not massaging the message well, um, seems, you know, not like the sort of thing that people would be ha- saying is a death knell of the direct marketplace unless you are looking at the idea that the number of retailers in the marketplace, A, owe Diamond so much, and B, do not have the credit to be able to set up accounts with these new distributors especially on such short notice and and more or less expect to you know what i mean unless they're going to be floated the same amount of credit and or carried the way that diamond has been carrying them you know for 30 percent of their invoices you know that last part is really important then because a number of retailers have basically said like we don't want to work with with lunar or ucs because we won't get the same terms as diamond Mm mm-hmm Right, DC said bluntly when they went with the new retail when they went with the new distributors, right, that they would get the same disc the same discount. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about not the same terms, is that what everyone's talking about? Right, without them being very specific about it, are they saying like, no, I used to be able to get a hundred up to a hundred and twenty, a hundred and fifty days behind on my payments without penalties with diamond because they quote unquote knew i was good for it well, 
he, but I mean, it's, you're saying 120 to 150 days. Chuck Rosansky said that he was $4 million in debt, including a million to diamond. Yes. For three years. That's right. No. Three years he was a million dollars in debt to diamond. Exactly. Exactly. That's insane. Yeah. And again, one of the biggest, most prominent, most successful retailers, you know, is, is like, okay, Maybe, maybe the, you know, warehouse mania got the better of him. Maybe he made some bad investments in like Colorado real estate or whatever. But he, he said, he says in that same post that basically what put him in the, the hole was new comics. Right. Which is, uh, to me, something that my eyeballs all but popped out of my head. Like, yeah. So, I mean, it, but it's really, I don't know, like, what everything is happening now says as much as anything to me that like the drag market as stands is 100% a con trick. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, that's what 100%. it seems to point to. It seemed, and everyone was in on it in this weird yes. way that, that DC, and, by... and the, the DC walking away and being like, we're still going to be publishing new comics. We have a different distribution system. And again, it doesn't exist outside the U S and that's a problem. That is a real problem. Oh Yeah. yeah fucking international retailers yeah and they have to sort that out they really do uh, but super inside quick the US, yeah inside the u.s they have an alternate distribution system which has been running for the last month mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right it's not like they were like well one day we'll have this in three weeks yeah like this exists and has been running has been able to be ordered from and why that counts as a death knowledge direct market is crazy to me unless as you say like diamond is being supported for the worst reasons possible right right you know so you know? yeah but, i mean there's, there's lots of other things that play here like i said to you i think off the the, the recording mm -hmm. recently that i think diamond was really fucking with cc well that was going to be the other thing i was going to bring up was this weird so, so D diamond was shipping dc comics late yes Lunar and UCS weren't mm-hmm they were, if, if you ordered from Lunar and UCS, you were getting them on their on-sale dates. Yes. And Diamonds were, like, weeks late. Yes. Mysteriously. That's right. Which, like, what the fuck is that about? I they think were really, we were I, on I, a skip week when, like, yeah, DC I, I released a really right. terse yeah. statement about that. Yeah. And it I did mean, point to... DC even put a statement saying, like, as soon as we pass the comics to the distributor, we can't tell you when it's going to be on sale. Yeah. Like, they, they threw up their hands. Yeah. But, I mean, that suspicious... DC just not being in the latest issue of previews. Mm -hmm. It's fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like weird like, Cold Diamond War shenanigans fucking, there. Yeah, that, fucking with, with DC, and I do wonder if DC were just like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll go. We'll go solo. Right. Um. It's going to be. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be weird. Here's the other thing. Why are no other publishers going with Lunar and UCS? Right. Like that's weird to me as well. Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. surely there's publishers who aren't under Diamond exclusive contracts. Well, yeah. I mean, I. Why, why are no other publishers going with these distributors? I mean, there's at least one possibility. And again, I have no inside info on this. Mm -hmm. Are Lunar and UCS essentially DC companies? Right. Right, which is which is a question that uh, fan of the podcast Todd Allen brought up in his comments over at the Beat is who, who is does DC have a financial stake in either of those distributors? You know, yeah, it's it's you know one thing that like actually bugs me, and I want you to explain it to me because I'm sure I'm just not understanding. Uh huh. Everyone keeps saying Lunar and UCS aren't distributors; they're just competitors. And that that 
is particularly relevant in this age of the internet. Mm-hmm. Right? Because Lunar is actually my comic shop and UCS is Midtown, right? Right. right. Um, why does that matter more in the age of the internet? Uh, that is a good because, question. Right. Because my comic shop and, and town existed before this mm-hmm. and offered discounts that were way above what your local comic shop could give you before this anyway. So why is it worse now? I don't. I actually don't understand that. I because if, if the idea was that like they could offer a higher discount, mm-hmm. they already were right. Well, they they already were, but I, I mean. I don't know. It seems it's, it's the idea that like it gives them like a financial leverage over competitors in a retail space, uh, or is the idea that like it gives them an insight into the the like the financial dealings of of their competitors? Well, I don't, and that's what like, I think I, might be true. I think I think there could be problems for again. You know, we've got my conspiracy theory. <coughs> You know our semi conspiracy theory, uh, uh, but even putting that aside, <laughs> yes, basically, you know. But even putting that aside, even putting aside the idea that maybe a retailer doesn't want to go to what they say as a fellow retailer, they see as a fellow retailer, and be like, "Yeah, I really want to uh, open up an account with you guys, but I have to tell you, I'm not going to be able to pay you." for you know six months because i'm in arrears on x y and z you know saying that to a quote-unquote distributor you kind of get a yes no thing you know but for all i know these people are like going to midtown comics and saying like hey my i'm a tiny shop in new jersey and i want to carry um you know dc comics but you're gonna have to float me because I don't have the cash like they, you know, they could feel incredibly vulnerable because Midtown Comics would be like, oh, so your town is being underserved by, you know, by a comic book company that is deeply in a comic book uh, store that's deeply in debt. Tell me more. You know, that's that's the conspiracy side of things. I do think that that apart from the incredibly sort of secretive nature of comic book retailers and being crazily conservative, they have been yelling about people stealing their customers and stealing their data for a long time. And data is, you know, data is something that companies do like big quote unquote grown up, even financially viable uh, companies fight each other over all the time. Um, And so it may just be as much of the idea of like, you have to give up a huge chunk of your data, your demographics. You have to talk about what your, you know, what your finances are in order to be able to open this account. And that could be, be incredibly anxiety making separate and above the idea of you spend you know first you you tell midtown comics yeah i'm not going to pay you for six months they say like oh okay that's fine and then you know they you know you basically give midtown comics your exact scope of if nothing else of dc titles that you're ordering over the course of that six months or year 
And Midtown's like, okay, got it. I know exactly the best way to serve your community. And the great thing is they're going to get a much better discount for me than they are from you. Now, I think that, so that, that would be my understanding. I'm not saying that it's necessarily valid or, or, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I think that is my understanding of where those, where and why those worries are coming. Um, I just, I mean, for me, my experience is <laughs> there's, there's, two stripes of comic book retailers there's probably three but you know there's there are the guys who've been around forever and there are the guys who have gone out of business in five years or less you know and the guys who have been around forever have done it by um any number of methods of survival that the rest of us would find eh, ethically iffy you know like and and that's depending on whether your definition of ethically uh, iffy is <laughs> owing Diamond $1 million for years, or if it's like, hey, I'm like buying, you know, 15 fucking crates of Marvel Comics so that I can get sketch variants that I can flip and sell for a profit and then burn through the other 9 million copies of these comics at, I don't know, you know, a comic book a uh, uh, show somewhere, you know, like okay. So here's the other thing: the retailers that tend to do that are like fucking midtown. Mm -hmm. And I have had multiple people in the industry basically tell me that they think Diamond is going to go after midtown in my comic shop mm -hmm. because of this. Like mm -hmm. the Diamond is going to after fucking with DC and losing DC, Diamond's now going to fuck with midtown and, and my comic shop. I mean, uh, you know, some. right. I wouldn't be surprised. Diamond is terrible. Right. Like, and that's the thing that should not be understated here. Mm -hmm. Diamond was not good at its job. Yeah. Diamond had a monopoly and they used the fact that it was a monopoly to be shit and get away with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Diamond deciding to quote unquote punish its competitors 100% in the realm of possibility. Right. Also, really fucking dumb if you think about it well of course at that point there's a lot of because yeah. these two companies are some of diamond's biggest com customers that's right in fact i think midtown is diamond's biggest customer right 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 so surely you don't start fucking with them mm -hmm. except of course they probably will well yeah i mean just the fact that they were apparently either <laughs> deliberately fucking with DC or so thrown by the new uh, interactions so with DC that so they completely... Let's be careful. There's no way that was accidental. I, on the one hand, I agree with you. On the other, other hand... There was only one publisher whose stuff was going out weeks late and it happened to be the publisher that... Uh, Push, uh, no, to, I agree. It totally. It looks. It like, looks like it. So looks like mob controlled bullshit. It is ridiculous how bad it looks. I'm just saying that that one thing that Diamond had, you know, has going for it was its variation, uh, a variation on Reagan's defense. They were so terrible in the first place that any change to the system could well throw them. You know. Diamond was operating, as you point out, 
as a monopoly for decades. And retailers were getting shorted on stuff, were getting replacements oh, yeah, packed getting, horribly. Yes, you know. they were getting the wrong comics. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to overstate mm-hmm. how bad Diamond was at its job. Yeah. Which is another thing that I'm stunned to see so many retailers be like, how can you fuck with Diamond? Right, right. Right, it's like, I don't know, because Diamond are really bad at their jobs. Well, it, you know, and I'm, I think people, an argument could be made that the American comic book industry, as embodied by many of the participants in the direct market at every level, are bad at their jobs. You know, you've I got mean, comic book companies with marketing departments that refuse to market or promote anything. You've got retailers who are guys who, like, took their own comic book collection and decided to open a store. And, you know, some of them did amazing jobs and some of them, like, ran it like misogynistic clubhouses. And some of them overspent by trying to be everything to everyone and got, out, you know, driven out of business. Like, some stores were able to branch out and differentiate only to, to you know, die because they overinvested in fucking pogs. Like, you know, and that that statues up at every layer like the the retailers the distributor the comic book companies and the way that they treat their readers and their creative talent you know it's it's uh, the guys who sit on a saturday night when they should be having a life like podcasting about it like all fuck those guys are losers exactly losers and fuck ups from top to bottom and so there's a little bit of the oh but there are losers and fuck ups you know what i mean that that's my loser that's my fuck up like and again it cannot be uh i think overstated or underlined enough the fact that that established retailers were on that live stream with Steve Jeppy being like, okay, but tell us what's the deal with DC comics? You know, like it was, it was not an inquisition. It was a bunch of people who've been hanging out for a long period of time. And in ways that you and I haven't encountered have quote unquote, gotten each other's backs. In other words, these are people who may very well pride themselves on being bad at business as business is understood because, you know, they're not heartless monsters. They're guys who love comics. And Steve Jeppy is just a guy who loves comics. And fucking Dan DiDio, as long as he was a guy who loves comics, like, there was a lot of latitude that happens in the industry because of that. And that goes a long way up until the point where you... Where it doesn't. Right. And and where it doesn't is apparently when you open up your books and you show the other retailer exactly what your finances are. And then things sort of start, like I said, to clamp down. It doesn't I don't think that it makes much sense for everyone to be so up in arms if it wasn't for the idea that everybody was, you know, carrying the Mystic River like secret that they were fucking terrible at their jobs and everyone was in debt up to their elbows but they all knew that they had each other's back 
and DC by just doing something that looks like good common business sense and who know you know is suddenly being pilloried as a villain you know it's hard for me to come up with another framework in which that you know that explanation is the one that makes the most sense but i do think that if you've got guys because i remember reading something where maybe it was rosansky maybe it was someone else it was like as someone who's been in this industry for 50 years actually i don't think it was that i think it was one of either the twitter comments or one of the various other retailers who was like yeah i've been in the business for like 40 years and part of me is like that's a crazy long time to be in a business generally you know, and I'm not even saying whether that's good or bad. I mean, I'm kind of at this stage where the fact that I feel like part of the trouble of America is the fact that it's being run by people in their late 80s is, you know, a big factor um, that it makes me look somewhat askance at. On the one hand, you look at someone like I, you know, like again, like Brian Hibbs, who's been in the industry for like 30 years. And the guy is is genuinely a friend and genuinely a mentor, you know, but he also has been taught the quote unquote hard way that there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And and everyone should be as risk averse as possible, you know, and I think at that stage. DC, I think it would be one thing if DC was like, hey, we're going to turn around and we're going to create an alternate distribution system because we want you to have the choice. And that's coming in 2022. People would be like, oh, okay, so I've got time to get my affairs in order. I've got time to look at this. Like, there, but, you know, for them to bust this out in the middle of a pandemic, you know, it's. It's kind of, it was kind of like what I was saying back when there were, because you know me, I'm I'm a digital aficionado. I don't buy stuff, a, a lot of stuff in the shops anymore. Um, but I was very, when this COVID thing hit, I'm like, yeah, comics should stop selling. Like the store, like don't sell them digitally. Don't get digital readers. Yeah, just, just stop it. Yes, yeah, and I had people who were similar digital f people who buy a digital be like, but why? Like, let's just, you know, let's just cut that cord. Let's just go that way. Everyone's talking about how, you know, digital doesn't matter in the marketplace. Like, let us have our comics. Like, let's, you know, let's take the chance. What's the worst that can happen? And my big thing was like, you don't, you don't make this like Netflix didn't turn around and move from just selling discs to offering a streaming service all at once in the middle of a pandemic, you know? And I think that somewhat holds true for in a way what DC's doing. I don't begrudge them. It all makes sense at every level, especially if you believe like you and I do that Diamond was engaging in some Cold War shenanigans, like payback shit. I think that it's it it still might have been way too soon to launch this. Like you said, the fact that that DC, DC doesn't have a UK hub in place now, 
Uh, and like you said, hopefully they'll get something up. Like unless they get something before their yeah, termination. Say, kind of. Yes, they have basically three weeks to sort the shit out. Right? They have and honestly, three less weeks. Than that. They have yes. two weeks. They yes. have. They have until. Because FOC for June 8th has now been moved to June 15th. So they basically have two weeks to try and sort this out. And I think that if they just go with... You can order from the American ones. DC either has to basically pay them for, to do shipping. Well, yeah, which or, they should. You know, yeah, or you know, else like, they're more or less throwing the UK market to the wolves. You know? Yes. So, yeah. again... At a time of incredible economic crisis uh, and insecurity for everyone, so yeah, they they fucking better, you know, I think. But the fact that they didn't, the fact that they turned around and did such a high speed pivot, is, uh, you know, it's 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 a little bracing. It's definitely more than a little problematic. You know, and and we'll see what happens. I I but I do think that, you know, <clears throat> it, I'm curious the extent to which retailers absolute outrage, like where that all stems from. Seems absolutely, absolutely insane. Yeah. So here's my follow up question. OK. What's Diamond going to do? Like Diamonds has just lost 30 percent of its market. Right. 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 Or it's not, it's not lost any of its market. It's lost 30% of the the output. Well, yeah, 30% of the direct comics market output. Um, what does it do? Because this is happening yeah, not just at a time where stores are struggling. Right. But it's happening at a time where, like, Marvel has, like, halved its output. Oh, yeah, right. Like, right. reduced to a third? Mm-hmm. Like... That, is there enough comics there for Diamond to survive? Well, I do want to say, and I mean, I know this is, I apologize because it seems obvious, but I think that it is something that, you know, we tend to forget just as I'm guilty of talking about when I talk about comics, uh, when I really mean the direct market, talking about Diamond as if Diamond was just comics their catalog is thick with toys and sure. games yes. and merchandise. Yes. Now, yes. I one would think that if that stuff was um, so incredibly substantial that that maybe you know a diamond would be a little closer to solvent. You know, some of that stuff, of course, it can be incredibly hot and then run incredibly cold. Uh, and if you're carrying the wide spectrum of things, like, you know, maybe you're, what's, what are those damn collect, little dead-eyed collectibles? Funkos? Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, Funkos are hot uh, for like a year or two years. A lot of people invest in them. But, you know, but Diamond's also carrying like, you know, Aurora glow-in-the-dark werewolf model kits, you know, that maybe aren't really worth the space that, that Diamond is, you know, setting aside for them on the shelf. I I would think that, on the one hand, Steve Jeppy's comments sounded kind of crazy and desperate, but, you know, um, 
honestly, being a, a, a Trump friendly company owner in the time of COVID, like maybe he could just get lots and lots of government float until the next big thing hits it big. For all I know, there's some other thing that is already happening. Knowing Steve Jeppy's interests, he's probably got an exclusive line of, you know, e-girl branded sportswear that is going to be, that he's convinced. He did talk about the Jeppy family enterprises that he does, like he hopes are going to be successful. Yes. So. And I'm like, what are those enterprises? Like, I just had that moment of, do you, I mean, do you know what they are? I have absolutely no fucking idea. See, so part of me is like, what is he what is he talking about? You know, like I'd love to know, but so, I mean, I don't know on the one hand, as you point out, a lot of people are not moving from diamond to these other distributors yet, which is, is honestly nuts to me. Yeah. Like, honestly, I, and I don't mean that in the sense of like, Oh, the other publisher should fuck the direct market as well. I just <laughs> no. mean in a sense of like for, Publishers that aren't signed to an exclusive contract with Diamond, right? What do you have to lose, right? Like getting involved in another distributor, right? Actually, we kind of know through seeing what happened to DC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe your shipments are going to be late, right? Maybe you're going to disappear from the catalog, right? Right. Like that's a, that's the worrying thing mm-hmm. that DC is going to be fucking fine, mm-hmm. right? But seeing how Diamond fucked with DC, right. It's kind of a good warning to the other publishers. Well, yeah. And I mean, and that is, and that could be, that could be a big thing. But, you know, uh, we we will see. But the point is, like, Diamond suddenly has, you know, they still have their, you know, poorly set up, poorly operating warehouses and previews and a variety of other things. Like, maybe... You know, a lot of other, you know, they're, they're basically like, Hey, let's, let's go big on dark horse, you know, let's go big on, let's push, you know, Oni press as like the next new big top guys. We're going to promote them. And you know what I mean? Like diamond in theory could be, they, all they need is to turn around and start running. I don't know, a new talent, you know, contest, like, I don't honestly I don't know. I think that I think that Diamond is you know their number one goal is basically going to be like stay operating but again there's a little bit of it, if everyone is in the same fucked up boat where everyone's you know all busy bailing as fast as they can. And they're like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, like I, I have no idea. I, I, sorry, I should have a more lucid answer. What do you think? What, I mean, do you think, is there anything that diamond can do to pivot, grow and expand? I, I don't think diamonds is interested in pivoting Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. I think diamond is perfectly happy being diamond. And I think that as long as every other publisher is fine with Diamond being Diamond, they will, they'll be fine. Right. They will probably like it'll be rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I strongly suspect we're going to see Diamond uh, delaying payments again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're going to delay payments to like the small publishers, mm-hmm. right? They're not right. going to delay payments to Marvel. 
Right. Um, but I think I think if Diamond, I think Diamond is an agent of the status quo. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as everyone else decides they're going to be an agent of the status quo as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the status quo will, will survive. Now, I, I want to ask, because this is something that confuses me, because I always get the names and everything confused, but is Midtown Comics the the store that Marvel was doing like Yes. Okay. Yes, Midtown Comics was doing Marvel's subscriptions for a while. Okay. So they in theory unless there's bad blood with them as a result, they're pretty tight and like Marvel it was like the preferred place to do like signings and things and stuff like that for the most part too, right? Or am I conflating that with the uh, subscription service and stuff? No, like I, it's Marvel and Midtown have always been super close. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it it I, we will we will see what the reality is when everything reopens because that's the thing. Like all of this has been happening during a fucking pandemic. Yes. So we haven't seen any Marvel signings at Midtown, but of course we haven't. Right. right? Exactly. Midtown's right. not been open. Yeah. Right. So who knows? Maybe there is no bad blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm. I was going to say I'm surprised that Marvel hasn't done anything, but I'm. I'm not. Marvel has clearly signed an exclusive contract with Diamond, mm-hmm. and neither Marvel nor Disney is probably interested in, in breaching that that agreement right now. Right. But it's kind of nuts to me that we have one publisher making. Uh, how can we put this? Bold, arguably well-intentioned, if perhaps like uh, ill-considered moves. Right. <laughs> find alternate distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have Marvel doing fucking nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. wacky. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've seen a, I've seen a bunch of people. This is a mild tangent, but I've seen a bunch of people basically being like, "This is proof that DC doesn't give a shit about period periodicals." Wow! Like this is a sign that DC is going to shut down periodical sales. And I kind of want to be like, "You forget that DC is owned by AT and T, right?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. DC has a lot of money. If DC wants to make this work, they can make it work. If DC wants to fucking eat the cost of distributing comics itself. It can do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if AT&T wants to back this... Yes. Yep. DC can do this, like, for a long time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, people seem to be like, Ooh, you know, DC's just slit its own throat. Not if AT&T has decided this is what it wants to do. No, exactly. All of this sounds like AT&T has like, looked at Diamond and was like, well, this is fucking shit. Yeah, completely. Yeah, very much so. You no, know, it all feels like AT&T is behind this. Yeah. And so the idea that this is like some sort of secret plan or, you know, DC's like, well, we want to do the YA books and we want to do graphic novels and we don't want to do comics anymore. A, YA books and graphic novels are great business for DC, so mm-hmm. you couldn't really blame them. And B, I'd really fucking doubt that. <laughs> like, if AT&T wants to bankroll this, they can. They're AT&T. Yeah. But at the same time, Marvel's got Disney behind it. Right. Well, but... True. Marvel is also remarkably cheap like famously cheap yes disney is famously cheap exactly and i think but, that that is super what well, those are super crucial points though i they just, are, they yeah. are it's true at&t has shown a willingness to spend money yeah 
Uh, and I know from talking to AT&T people at San Diego last year, AT&T like, looks at DC as like very important. Yes, right. Right. And I'm not sure if DC, if Disney looks at Marvel the same way. Well, so, I mean, the, the, maybe the movies. See, this is it. Disney, Disney does, but Disney has it, 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 their, their culture of cheapness is very locked down and goes back all, a long, long ways. So it's just, they do see it as important, but that it's but their culture of how you treat something that's important, you know what I mean? Like it's just very different. Whereas I think that AT&T has a completely different way of looking at things that are different and that quote unquote may not you know, that may not necessarily be better. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot to be said for DC being like, okay. We're hands off as long as you continue to to bring in the hits. We're going to celebrate you and be super proud of you. But, you know, you're not getting a big bonus in your allowance, you know, and it's that that goes back to things like Pixar, whereas AT&T is a little might, you know, is maybe a little too hands on where they're like, these comics are great. Why don't we sell them at our cellular stores? Uh, maybe that doesn't sound like a great idea. Or we could sell our cell phones in the comic book stores. That also doesn't sound like a great idea. No, I disagree. I mean, like, AT&T has a certain, you know, first season of 30 Rock Jack Donahue vibe to them. You know, where they're like, <laughs> I'm going to be able to understand comics because I'm the number one, you know, uh, producer, manufacturer of the microwave line. You know, like... There's a little bit where AT&T is, on the one hand, they'll, yeah, they'll definitely throw money at it, but they may have a very severe misunderstanding of of how some of the basic essentials of the market, and they just may be too arrogant to, to think that that matters, when it really does. From talking to people at AT&T last year, and again, this is last year. Many things have changed since then. Sure. They were surprisingly open to admitting that they didn't know what they didn't know. Right, right, which is a good sign. You know, uh, but also what you're describing seems incredibly plausible to me as well. Mm-hmm. Right, that they're like, no, it's really important. What does that mean? I don't fucking know. Right. What if we do... You know, seven different things at once. Yeah. And I think you can see that there's definitely some level of, um, like, very obvious, maybe not nerves, but, like, everything's in flux. Mm-hmm. For Warner Brothers, not just DC. Mm-hmm. Oh, huge. You know? Hugely. Like, I mean, if you look at DC Publishing, clearly things are changing. Like, right. Dandity, which just, just left, what, two months ago? That feels like a fucking lifetime ago well so let me ask you this is my question to you actually to pivot things back do you think part of the reason why dan didio was shown the door was that he would absolutely and incredibly make things more difficult in terms of getting this distribution deal set up no but i think that this distribution deal was set up because dan didio wasn't there if that makes sense I don't think they, I don't think they pushed Dan out because this was in the works. Okay, but I think that every move they've made wouldn't have been made if he was there. Uh, that that I definitely agree with. Okay, um, yeah, uh, I, I I think 
don't get me wrong. I think that Dan was old guard in a way that did not fit with the the incoming culture mm-hmm. uh, of AT&T era DC mm-hmm. and really AT&T era Warner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he was pushed out in order to make something like this happen. Okay. I just think that without him being there, because as you said, Dan was old school. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan was Wednesday's new comics day. That's right. And you go into, you know, you go into your comic book store and you get your comics. Mm-hmm. I think that he would have had uh, issues with the idea of like, well, Tuesday should be new comics day mm-hmm. because we want everything to go on sale across all markets at the same day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, like that that is in theory the reason that the days were switched. I don't know if like they've actually said that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so the book collections aren't released on a Wednesday in a comic store and the following Tuesday in bookstores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, now it can be true the same Tuesday across all markets. Right, right. Um, I think I think Didio would have had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think Didio would have had a problem with doing this to Diamond, mm-hmm. and I say that even knowing that like Dan fucking set up the Walmart deal, right, which retailers lost their fucking minds about. That's right. You know, but I still think that he would have had an issue of of splitting with Diamond in the way that it happens. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe he did. Mm-hmm. Maybe all of this was in the works for him. Maybe it was all his fucking idea. Who knows? Right. But just, like, from my conversations with him, from my understanding of how he viewed the comic market, how he viewed uh, DC's place in the comic market, mm-hmm. I, I think that these are things that he would he would have had issues with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, like there, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot here mm-hmm. and there's a lot that is perceived common wisdom. Right. That just seems nuts to me. Like DC is trying to kill its, its periodical line. Seems nuts to me. DC is trying to kill the drug market. Seems nuts to me. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to kill the drug market, you don't fucking go to two different distributors. Mm-hmm. Again, fucking sort out your international deal though because you are trying to kill the international market that's <laughs> not true you are killing the international yes. market by not thinking about it by not thinking about um mm-hmm. like they have to they have to fix that they have to do something to fix that mm-hmm. because they have fucked it mm-hmm. um but like the idea dc is trying to kill the direct market is fucking insane my favorite was you saw the, the heidi piece you saw peter david's yes. take on it yeah 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 where he's like, they've declared war in Marvel. No, they fucking haven't. <laughs> this, that's insane. Like, that's genuinely insane. Yeah. That, like, all of this is DC trying to get at Marvel, and so they do. They go, this is the route? Yeah. Is nuts. Yeah. Like, was was absolutely crazy. Um, But, you know, all the retailers standing up for Diamond is insane. Yeah. Like, it's just... I don't know. It, it, there's there's so much here. Like publish, other publishers not going with other distributors is is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a time of significant flux. It's mm-hmm. a time of significant change. Mm-hmm. It's a time of we have no fucking idea what's going to happen. Right. Like, is this another hero's world? Mm-hmm. Is DC going to go back to to Diamond in a year? Right. Right. You know. Yeah. 
Um, and if it does, like, what does that fucking mean? Do you know? No, <laughs> like totally. if DC is still publishing that many books and they go back to Diamond, Diamond's like, well, you're not a premier publisher anymore. Right. <laughs> like, is DC, is DC going to have, like, 84 books in the back of the catalog? <laughs> that would be amazing. You know? Yeah, sandwiched between two bad girl publishers. Exactly, you know? You know? Um, but, but... Yeah, it's 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 there's so much that is unknown. Uh, I know you really know it's like DC's letter to retailers, and then like Steve Jeppy being like, "We asked them questions, and they fucked us." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I can't wait for Steve Jeppy's next live stream because you fucking know there's going to be one. Oh, I hope so. Um, but you know, it's it's. Um, I don't know. Like I want, I want all these things aren't going to happen. Right, I mm-hmm. want DC to be more transparent about what the fuck it was thinking, mm-hmm. and they don't have to give me numbers, mm-hmm. but I want to know, like, were they even thinking about markets outside of the US? Right? Did the shit like come as a surprise to them? Mm-hmm. Like, are they? Why did they go from if you're in these states, order from Lunar; if you're in these states, order to UCS to you can order from either. Right. You know, are they trying to build some sort of some sense of competition to drive costs down because they're aware of it? Well, if or not, the flip side. Are they... Yeah, sorry. sorry. No, 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 no. I have. I had an idea on there, but I should let you finish. I'm so sorry. I was going to say, like, if 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 they're not, that's not what they're doing. Are they? Is DC going to step in to try and lower the shipping rates? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, does DC have a financial stake in these companies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd I'd love to see that, but like at the same time, I'd love to see a fucking retailer actually stand up and go, "This is not good for us because." For reasons that aren't diamond is great, you're trying to kill the direct market. I'd also love to see a retailer go, you know what? Diamond's terrible. Yeah, right. Right. You know? Yeah. I'd love to see, I'd love to see, and it's not going to happen, I'd love to see other publishers actually speak openly about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to. No, no, for <laughs> Honestly, sure. Honestly, they have no reason to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see, I, like, I was so tempted to make so many terrible jokes yesterday. I was tempted to joke that DC backed away from this because they didn't want to put any back the comeback stickers on its its comment. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, but like, is Marvel going to ramp up production to try and fill the gap? You know. Yeah, and the answer it, I think is like, of course not. Probably not. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I just there, there's so much that is unknown uh, that is is it's concerning is not the right word, but mm-hmm. there there's there's so much there's there's a lot more to come. Put it that way. Yes, and it's it's kind of wacky to me that like this is I, I was going to say this is still going on, but like this had the comeback now. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I I wholeheartedly believe that the reason it happened the way it happened was that DC didn't want to tell Diamond because Diamond were going to leak it. Oh, interesting. Do you know what I mean? I fool-heartedly think that's what happened. Mm, mm. That, that DC basically were like, okay, fuck it, we've just got to buy the bullet. Yeah, probably. Um, especially if you go along with the idea that Diamond was fucking with DC anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yeah. But... Like I, 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 I just love, I wish I could see all all of the information. I know, I know. Yeah, it's uh, it's there's there's some amazing stuff happening behind the scenes, and it would be, it would be amazing if there was any one person that actually knew it all. 
You know what I mean? It just, everything sounds like it's, it's a table where everyone's holding their cards pretty closely to their vest. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. And I mean, it is a, it's kind of, the thing that kind of blows my mind is the fact that, that, that DC and AT&T, like, I, I don't know, just for myself, I'm like, fuck, like things are in such a state of flux in the world. The fact that they're like, okay, we're going to go do this. I'm like, I mean, admittedly, they it wasn't something they just decided overnight and they didn't know that most of the country was going to be on fire. But there is kind of an amazing feeling of, really, you guys just don't want to hold tight, you know, because that's my thing. I'm just like, okay, let's just let's just hang in there. Let's just hang in there until the worst is over. And I think there are a lot of people who are very smartly, um, in as it turns out, decided like, well, who knows when that's going to be, you know? And f- things can get worse yet, which, of course, if you told me that like a month ago, I'm like, sure. But if you'd had me write down how I would have been so incredibly wrong, it would be, it would be amazing. So, yeah, it's just, oh, oh, what... Such crazy times, Graham. Have you been reading comics in the midst of all this? <laughs> have I been reading comics? Yeah. No, who reads comics? Who reads comics? I have. Yeah. I have. Oh, great. Um, because, because Matt Terrell sent over uh, Green Lantern Mosaic uh, and, and The Shadow and, and Andy Helfer, Bill Sienkiewicz and, and Kyle Baker's The Shadow. Ah, God bless you, uh, Matt Terrell. I've been, I've been, I've just finished Mosaic a couple of nights ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mosaic, you know, one of these comics that no one talks about anymore because it was written by Gerard Jones and Gerard Jones pled guilty to possession of child pornography and has now been uh, wiped out of comics history. Yeah. Like DC removed all his stuff from, from digital entirely. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can kind of understand why, right? You sure. don't want to give oh, them... Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a shame because it's like... And still, Mosaic, I still think is is like a a, a groundbreaking work. I think mm-hmm. it's a fucking amazing comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think reading it this week, especially, is is it, it was accidentally timely, timely for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. But it's a comic that is very concerned with race, so much so that like in one of the letters pages, it even makes fun of the fact that it's a comic that is very concerned with race, written and drawn by two white men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is it, for a mainstream comic. It's 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 very, very concerned with with um, not only race but the cultural expression of race and racial issues, hmm. uh, and does it in a in a very smart, if also very much of its you know early nineteen nineties time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's a, a remarkably complex and enjoyable work. Mm-hmm. And and I was really glad to revisit it, despite, as I said, like, you know, what has happened to Gerard Jones. Um, the Shadow is, I've never read it before. And I'm reading through it, A, because it's in Kevich and, and Baker. Yeah. And B, Andy Helfer's a fucking weird writer. <laughs> you know, again, it's very much of its time. Mm-hmm. Right? It's very much of the, the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. But... There is a, a really enjoyable nerviness about it, mm-hmm. and, and a, a a sort of late eighties paranoia about it that, mm. that is 
weirdly enjoyable. Yeah. Helped, of course, a lot by Sienkiewicz. Yeah, you know, I'm still, I'm still in the Sienkiewicz is the first six issues, mm-hmm. and I'm still in the Sienkiewicz run. And it's it's like Sienkiewicz is just fucking amazing, mm-hmm. and he's fucking amazing, especially in this book because it's post. It happens in his career immediately after Electro Assassin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's his next project after that, and it's colored by Richmond Lewis, who did Batman Year One. Mm. And so it just fucking looks amazing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and it's it's I don't have a great background in in the shadow in general. Mm-hmm. But it's wackier than I expected. I was like, Pulp Hero. Even updated, still Pulp Hero. And the first storyline is like, they found the Shadow dead. And he shows up and he's like, nope, it's a clone of me that I used to basically stand in for me because I really didn't age, but I needed bodies to age to make it look like I aged. Mm. And so he's a clone, but he's still alive and he's trying to kill me. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what the fuck is this plot? You know, wow! Like that's that's fun, mm-hmm. uh, and and just it this insane book and is drawn by Sienkiewicz in like insane Sienkiewicz mode, right? Uh, and knowing that it ends up like as the shadow as a disembodied head on top of a robot with Kyle Baker is like, yeah, I'm in, right? <laughs> I'm fucking in. So yeah, I've been reading through those. Um, I one favorite things I read this week is this week's Hellblazer issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I. You read Hellblazer when it was the, the like the original run, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how far? When did you drop off? Oh God! Uh, you mean like way, way back in the early days, sort of thing? Yeah. Um, I read, I think maybe thirty, the first thirty issues. Oh wow! So you dropped off really early. Yeah. Yes, but then I came back during. Like maybe Garth Ennis's storylines, and then maybe dropped out again, and then was back for Azarello. So really, more out than in, I would say. But yeah, the reason really I say right. that is this week's issue of Hellblazer, it's issue six, is lovely. Like mm-hmm. I and I've been enjoying the book since it launched. This week's issue is lovely and very, very reminiscent to me of uh, Warren Ellis's Hellblazer. Mm, right, in a way I, I really didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, formally as well as the characters, right? Ellis had this thing that I loved in his run, which is basically uh, Constantine does the narration, but the narration takes place outside of the panels. Mm-hmm. The, the breakdown of the page is different, and there's a lot more white space, and the white space is where the panels go. Mm-hmm. And Sysbury and Aaron Campbell repeat that format hmm. and formalism in this issue. Which was a, like was a surprise. I was like, "Oh, they're fucking doing the Warren Ellis thing," right? But it's also a very Warren Ellis Constantine. Mm. Um, the the I, I kind of want to explain what it is, but to explain it, it's also to give away the quote unquote twist. That makes sense. Also, very uh, Ellis like in a way. Yeah, but but there's a there's a moment midway through where um, Constantine is talking about pride in a national sense. Mm-hmm. And essentially says like pride in a national sense is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's toxic. It, it's it's a bad thing. And there's one case where that's not true, and it's the National Health Service in the UK. Mm. And it's like a it's a relatively short monologue, mm-hmm. but it's a monologue that a feels particularly timely now, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the UK with with everything that's happening with with COVID, with everything that's happening with the National Health Service. Um, 
but in general, you know, you read something about that now, about that the only time pride has been useful is when pride comes together to make people's lives better. Yeah. Like to drop the xenophobia, but literally to try and heal people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To try and create a, a, a cultural understanding and a shared belief that you try to make people's lives better. Right. And But not just a belief. You are actively trying to do it. Mm-hmm. You create a system that does it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that hits hard this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very you much know? so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And Aaron Campbell has been, like, I, I don't know if you read Infidel, his series with, from Image a couple of years ago. Mm, I did not. Um, Aaron Campbell's fucking great. His mm-hmm. his artwork's really good, uh, but this issue in particular is at his most infidel yet on mm-hmm. Hellblazer, mm-hmm. and it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it works really fucking well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's right, Hellblazer. Hellblazer is great. Mm-hmm. You know, so, sometimes you forget, and then you get a good, specifically Hellblazer story because it's not the same as a Constantine story. Yes, because Constantine again these these days exists in like the DC universe, mm-hmm. and it's. Kind of the same character, nah, kind of not, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But a good Hellblazer story is fucking great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone does Hellblazer right, you're like, yeah, this 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 is what I want. Well, which is funny because I do think of how much, uh, you know, um, Jamie Delano's original run on Hellblazer is deeply tied to the current day i mean you know i think that was kind of a truism you know across the the early at least the early sort of vertigo stuff but Mm -hmm. i remember as a reader being very much like reading those early issues of hellblazer and they ramp up very quickly to you know essentially be a long uh screed against toxic masculinity you know yeah yeah and um and but even even before you get there it was very much that idea of like yeah if it's going to be a horror story with a twist and the twist is going to be something that is very much about the state of things today you know yes yes and so yeah i i totally know what you mean and i feel like that is very much baked Baked into to the Hellblazer concept, I think you know. Yeah, and 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 the best Hellblazer stories do that. Yeah, you know, and there's other ones that are fine, you know, mm-hmm. but aren't the same. Like for me, the best Hellblazer stories are about Britain. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not about Constantine. Mm-hmm. They're about Britain today, and and to an extent, Constantine's response to it. But like you compare that with like Ennis, and Ennis, to my mind, wrote stories about Constantine. Right. And that's, that's like, they're good stories. You know, like, I like Ennis's Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. But a really good Hellblazer story for me is about right. Britain. Right, is about Britain. Yeah, I think I can see that. That makes a lot of sense to me. So, you know, or at, or if not, it, even when it's um, a very a very British take on America, too. Which I think is yeah yeah sorry yeah so well. it's it's about culture it's about national character yeah yeah of, of the of the the country he's in which mm-hmm. you know normally is Britain but isn't always the case mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah 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 exactly huh very interesting um, yeah so so those 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 are the ones I'm going to talk about but Jeff what have you been reading this week uh, I got to tell you between work 
uh, other stuff and I think just the state of the world, my my reading list has been incredibly shallow, I, I, like embarrassingly so. Um, I revisited uh, World Worlds and Harem, which I think is it would not be a stretch to describe that as a uh, manga pornier version of why the last man uh it starts off being about the you know a dude who in the near future he has an incurable disease so they put him into a cairo sleep for five years with the idea that they expect to have a cure by then and then they will cure him he wakes up in five years he is indeed cured but all the other men on the planet have died and now the the planet is filled with nothing but women who understandably want him to uh, fornicate day and night to be able to restart the race. But since he's one of those dudes, he has vowed to, um, you know, he's in love with his fellow student when he goes under and they promise that they will wait for one another. And so he begins the process of trying to find her in this world and of course there's a complex conspiracy happening behind the scenes um and like i said it's very low grade porny version of why the last man um the i think the creators after realizing like 200 pages in of having a new character show up strip nude in the shower and try and seduce him and fail that they're not getting very far with this they end up having three or four new men also come out of Cairo sleep. And each one of those has, uh, a, you know, more amenable scenarios in which more things happen after women, uh, strip off their clothes and try to seduce them. So, um, it's, it's a series that I think you would be appalled by Graham and, or at the very least appalled that I was reading it, but, uh, much less rereading it, but I was, um, <laughs> I was I'm not going to judge you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I was shocked and surprised to find myself reading new comics for the first time in uh forever. Uh Outer Darkness 2 uh issue 2 and Avengers uh issue 33, which is like the first those are the first new comics I've read in kind of months and I was like, "Oh shit, did I forget the I guess I forgot to turn off my subscriptions for them." They were fine, good. I liked a lot of the stuff in Outer Darkness 2, even though I never read 2 and wasn't necessarily great into it. Avengers made me laugh because it is literally an Avengers comic in which Moon Knight basically beats up all the Avengers, and um, that just seems ridiculous to me. Similarly... <laughs> ridiculous is as i think you know um there were a shit ton of scooby-doo team-ups and actually scooby-doo comics through dc that were just yes, flat out yes. made free they, they dumped like like 250 or something yes literally i mean it's hard because like the scooby-doo team-up things they had a hundred issues of the scooby-doo team-ups that they were offering but of course those were the digital ones that were sliced up for sale so I got all the collections and then I was like, wait, but does this include the, so anyway, all of which is to say 
Graham, I know that you've read some of those. I know you're not necessarily a Scooby-Doo fan, but Charlie Fish is an extraordinarily good mm-hmm. DC writer. Um, no, all, all of the Scooby-Doo team-up books are gold. Absolutely, absolutely. They really are amazingly good. Yeah, so I just, did you read, uh, I think I think it was Sky on Twitter uh, pointed out the issue that was the basically the all gorilla issue where it's like yes yes i have oh my god that was fucking great and i mean just just it was very much like a classic silver age dc story in all the best ways and including the fact that you had two different gorilla bosses kong gorilla um detective chimp and and at the end of it, the solution, like the how they get out of the impossible situation, um, has to do with Congo Bill, and it's and it's really it's that classic, um, brilliant. You know, it plays by the crazy rules that are set up within the context of the story. So Fish is great, and so it would not. I actually started rereading more. Uh, I, I was even though I have read them um, and trailed off. I was like, "Fuck it! I'm just going to start back at Volume One of Scooby Doo Team Up and work my way through it." Um, and I've been enjoying that. Been reading a lot of stuff over at Hoopla. You know, um, I can't imagine like absolutely hands down the dumbest thing that I think I've done this week is um, not just downloaded from Hoopla, The Joker, 80 Years of the Clown Prince of Crime, the deluxe edition, but I started reading it. I mean, I've read <laughs> most of the... I'm like 120 pages in, and I'm like, I've... Some of these stories I've read for like the sixth or seventh time, you know, and I'm... and 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 yet... I got to tell you, there is shit that did not occur to me upon reading it where it's just particularly the early stories are kind of so I, I just I, I kind of walked out with deep, a deep sense of um, suspicion in my ability to be a close reader, like to read some of this stuff and be like, am I just like the worst, most inattentive reader of all time? The the example that I will give you that actually cracks me up is it's one of um, it might even be the Joker's first appearance where he's basically killing people off um, just because he says he's going to, you know, he announces on the radio, I'm going to kill so and so off at at midnight. And then he comes up with some great, cool, interesting way to, to bump him off. So the thing that's great about this Batman story that I never noticed before, despite having read this thing like, I don't know, eight times is so the Joker kills off like two totally respectable businessmen and or takes their gems. I don't even remember. And it cuts to uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson and Dick Grayson being like, uh, so is it time for Batman to get involved? And and Bruce Wayne's like, nope, not yet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And then the crazy thing is like Joker goes on because what happens is the underworld gets wind of the Joker. And this this mobster, Brute Nelson, is like, ah, that Joker's not so tough. He looks like a ponce to me or whatever. And the Joker's like, why? I'm going to kill that guy and teach him a lesson. And suddenly Batman springs into action. I'm like, 
wait a fucking minute. Like, is Batman, like, you know, kind of where the early issues, the subtext that he was actually employed by the criminals to, like, bust up other criminals? Because, I mean, it really was. He was like, no, 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 the Joker's eventually going to tip his hand and, you know, as, like, socialite after socialite dies in grisly deaths. But, like, once this, like you know, two-bit gangster decides to threaten the Joker, like, Batman's like, why, never, not on my watch. I was like, how did I not notice how dumb that was? Um, I don't know if there's anything else that I've really read or read that closely, which is a shame. I'm like, I feel like there's stuff on Hoopla that I was looking at that I is returned, but I don't know what it is. I I should say in in advance of Jock this week, Mm -hmm. um, Rob Williams started a new Dread Epic. You had mentioned that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jeff. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. And it's specifically great. Like, I talked to him for for THR about this, and Mm -hmm. he confirmed my suspicions, which is it's Rob Williams writing his version of The Judge Child, which is to say he's wanting to do an old-school one where there's an external threat and Dredd has to go on a quest to take care of that threat. Nice. And that's it. And I'm like, I'm fucking into it. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's Dredd uh, versus the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, because of course it is. And it's fucking great. The first two chapters are really fucking good. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. I highly recommend it for anyone being like, eh, I kind of want to jump into 2008. Do it. Mm. So it's only just a few parts in, huh? Hey, the first uh, chapter just shipped this week. Oh, okay. Wow. Hmm. I should try and get my hands on that because that sounds fabulous. Yeah, it's really fun. Hmm. Okay. Well, that is that is good to know. Uh, definitely a better amount of time spent than with Worlds and Harem, I have to say. I feel Call like Worlds and some... Harem, come on. Yeah. Dude, I got to admit, there's some parts in Worlds and Harem where I'm like, yeah, this is great. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. World's End Harem. Yeah, see, Graham, it's, it basically, it trips off the tongue and, uh, you know, kind of makes you be like, yeah, I want to read that. In fact, maybe I'll just gift the first couple of volumes in Comixology to you now. <laughs> no, no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, oh, so... that bombshell. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, on that unsurprising bombshell. Uh, as you mentioned, we're going to be back next week with a drock. Yes, uh, and we're doing Case Files 15 and America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hey, let's read America. Let's read America right now. Yeah, That'd I bet. Be it's yeah. funny, someone, I can't remember who, someone on Twitter was like, say you're going to be doing a drock and you're going to jump straight to Origins. And no, <laughs> no. Uh, Origins uh, you've never read Origins, Origin, no. right? No, no, no. So Origins is, as the name suggests, the origin of, of not of Dread, but of Mega City 1. Mm-hmm. And of the justice system. Mm-hmm. And of America's last president. And how he is uh, incredibly corrupt and makes very bad decisions to further his own uh, purposes and institutes martial law. And yeah, let's not read that right now. Wow. Now, was this I've, in the magazine or was this in... No, it, it was it was in 2008, like 15 years ago. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, I see. So that's why they were... Because I was like, wow, that's really... Why would we be skipping ahead? But 
They knew, and you knew. Yeah, I oh, know. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, they, they, they fucking knew, and also fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, yeah, no, really. Fuck. Mm. Um, wow. Okay. So we're, we're not going to be doing that, but we are going to be doing um, uh, Kids Files 15 and America. And America, and, is my understanding, is enough of a riot laugh fest that it should tidy yeah, up. Yeah, and, and so just for – so I have a question for you, Jeff, and, mm-hmm. and your answer – is going to impact what we do in Drog. Oh, dear. America, the collection, collects America, and then the two sequels. Mm. The two mm-hmm. sequels ran significantly later. Right. Okay? We're reading America because America is basically being published at the same time as the material in Case Files 15. Mm, I see. So you're saying, should I... Do you want to read the sequels as well, or do you just want to read the story of America? I do think, what do you think uh, the difference is? Well, I mean, technically, I think I'm okay with skipping ahead and reading the sequels in that sense. But there is part of me that is sort of excited by sticking to just sort of a chronological read through. Okay, so let's just do America. Okay. All right. What you mean, the first story in the collection? I mean, just the story, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, um, because they're they're this. I I like for want of a better way of putting it, the America cycle. Mm-hmm. I like the, the, if if when you include the sequels as well. Mm-hmm. But I think it actually really changes the story. Right, right. Like really drastically changes it. And one of the things that I think, uh, and it may not. <laughs> I may be fooling myself, but to the extent that I bring value, uh, thrill power to the Drock duo, uh, is that I am reading this stuff for the first time. I'm reading it in chronological order, and for the most part, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, you don't skip ahead. Yeah, and so, I mean, I've read some dread dread ahead, but I, nothing that really tied into anything in a, in a very major way. I read, you know, basically a lot of one-offs and things for the most part. So, so for me, <laughs> I think there's some value to the yin and yang of me saying like, no, I didn't see it that way at all. And you being like, well, just wait, you know? So, um, so I think it sort of makes sense. I think, like you said, if it changes the nature of the America story for me to read it as if, um, I'm not going to encounter the sequels until much further down the road. Yeah, like the sequels were like 15 years later. Jeff. Right, right. So, yeah, I think think hold off on that until they get to the <laughs> till we get to that part of the case well, files. Well, God help the other, me. Yeah, I was going to say the other thing is the um, the to, they're they're so the sequels are so far ahead they're beyond where the case files are right now. Oh, okay. So it's even that far. Because I was like, well, 15, you said 15 years. I'm like, so it's, I forget that the case files slow down and it becomes, yeah. Yeah. So it's like two case files per year instead of just one. So it's yeah, right. Okay. Um, So yeah. So, so maybe not. Right. Well, I mean, I think that, that, that sort of, (laughs) that, who knows what will happen by the time we get to the end of the case files. You know? Right, exactly. Yeah. So. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so let's just do that. We are. So that means uh, next week is America and, and case files 15 for drug. Fabulous. And, and the, we move past Necropolis. We move into, A, the Garth Ennis era mm-hmm. of 2000 AD. 
Uh, but also Wagner's second big dread magnum opus. Wow. Like I, I, America feels like maybe the first one that he actually set out to quote unquote make a statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you could argue that maybe he was doing that with, ne- with Necropolis. Mm. Uh, but like to know that America came like a year after Necropolis is kind of nuts. Right. Well, I think I think um, one of the things that um, maybe it was Vord ninety nine or one of our other ultra observant um, listeners pointed out in a in a thread, um, Necropolis is kind of about that sense that Judge Dredd is. You know, is Wagner's Wagner's awareness that Dredd is going to you know, outlive him and in a sense outlive Megacity. Like he's too important to everyone to be able to go away. And yeah. that, and and what that might mean for Dread is sort of explored subtextually in Necropolis um, and arguably textually as well. Yeah. So, so yes. So that will be kind of interesting to, 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 to dive into America uh, I, at a time like this. So. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's going to be a whole thing to read. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is when I start wrapping things up by saying that uh, there's going to be show notes for this uh, on waitwellpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week I will be, once again, posting things on uh, waitwellpod.tumblr.com and instagram.com forward slash waitwellpods. We have a Twitter account at waitwellpodcast. Uh, Jeff's Twitter account at Lazy Bastard at L A Z Y B A S T I D. I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G R A E M E M. Uh, yeah, I didn't post anything on the the Tumblr or the Instagram this week because yeah. honestly, it didn't seem like a good idea. It yeah. seemed really poor taste. Yeah. Um, but next week we'll be doing it again. Mm-hmm. So. Hooray, question mark. Uh, <laughs> we ha- we are, we're a Patreon supporter podcast, so Jeff has this to say. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Um, we really are incredibly uh, grateful and indebted to our listeners. You guys keep us um, engaged. Uh, you are incredibly generous with your time um and tales uh the number of emails or notes that we've gotten from people saying like thank you for continuing to do this i really need something light in these hard times is it's incredibly um personally for me uh gratifying and heartening to think that i'm actually doing something that is helping someone else at a time like this and you guys in turn really are helping us this keeps us um uh, i keep being able to talk to graham every week which is something that uh is an, is an incredibly valuable part of my life and thanks to the fine listeners at patreon by throwing us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh it keeps us both sort of uh motivated and on target and aware that um we you know we take this thing pretty seriously. These couple of hours of, which have now become hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of absolutely free podcasting. And thanks to the people at Patreon who, uh, you know, surprised us uh, and met our challenges. Next week's Drock, uh, just like the previous Drocks and the Baxter building episodes before it, um, are uh, podcasts that exist 
absolutely 100% because of their um, willingness to support us, meet that stretch goal, and and let us know that, that this is important to you guys. It That really is huge. We want to extend a super special um, thank you to friend of the podcast, Dominic L. Franco, uh, and Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, uh, for her their continuing support of this podcast. It's hugely appreciated. Of course, Empress Audrey is doing her best keeping us um, protected at the galactic cosmic level. We can't really um, hold her responsible for everything that's going wrong down here. My, I, I sort of more or less said that on the last podcast. Some of uh, uh, Empress uh, Audrey's um uh, re- representatives reached out to me and l- let me know that that even though she that, that it's not really uh, uh, her purview to take care of us here on on planet Earth, and we have to therefore all look out and watch out and help uh, one another. So, Graham, uh, I want see. I, I was going to say something really, really not mean, not snarky. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I will instead just say this. Uh, we've we quasi alluded to this before. Like the world's been on fucking fire for the last two weeks. Like mm-hmm. it's been it's been on fire in a different way for like months before that. Oh yes, but you know it's been it's been horrible. It's been really really bad. It's been brutal and cruel and and heartless and. In a completely perverse but necessarily inspirational, mm-hmm. um, but it's been really difficult. It's been really, really difficult. And the people who are who talk to us about this podcast and uh, it really helps. Yeah, me and you, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we are doing anything to distract or entertain uh, during right now, then we're glad. Yeah. That that that's all I'm going to say about that. I was going to make a sarcastic comment about Ember's Audrey. Come on, you fucker, help us! <laughs> but that's a fictional conceit, too far. Yes, I would say to just say, um, yeah, it's uh, people have been saying really nice things, and and, and it's it's meant a lot, you know, it mm-hmm. really has because it's it's a cruel world out there, Jeff. Yes, yeah, you know, yep. Uh, and that's where I would leave it because I'm not going to say anything that's that's is going to be off color, and I, I feel that there's, it's very easy to say, like to be too glib about what's happening. Yes, even even you know, even in a well-meaning way, I, yes. I think it's 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 very easy to 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 say something stupid. Yeah, uh, because what's happening is is genuinely fucking horrific. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff, get me out of this. I'm being too sincere. <laughs> I know it's I feel like Jack Kirby he has fallen for the sincerity trap it, and it's got to have quotes see, around that you did it you yeah. see you, you pulled me out of the Jeff <laughs> uh, I will say this I I said last episode that um that I'm not writing for Wired anymore and I used to write a thing for Wired where every, where I basically like uh pull five things that everyone's talking about in social media and and do mm. or sort of explainer Holy shit, was I glad I didn't have to do that this week. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, because every time I did it, it would fucking kill me. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you just take it all on, right? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. the research and stuff, you just take it all on. And it was really hard to to read social media, to, to interact with the world, as well as to speak. The idea that, like, they're, they're, you know, I might have had to have spent hours chasing all this down, researching and everything, and really focusing in all these images and really focusing in all this stuff that I know is out there and I know is important. Yes. But, but it's overwhelming. Yeah. As it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would have been rough. Yeah. You know, and I, I was one of those things where I was like, I'm glad I got laid off. <laughs> right. It's like, phew. You know, very, very grim humor, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the sincerity trap, Jeff. It's it's there. Watch <laughs> it out for it. Watch in quotation marks. Out in quotation marks. For it in quotation marks. Yes, with uh, three yeah. exclamation points. Yeah, and then there's spread afterwards. And yeah, it's just like a giant fucking monster. Yep. Someone cowering away, being like, "No!" In that great like Mike Royer lettering. <laughs> it's going to be fucking a week. Uh, it's going to be Drock, and we're going to be talking about how America is incredibly fucked. Join us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>